You're listening to episode 89 of Scaling Up. Welcome to Scaling Up. I'm your host, Elizabeth Hartke, and if you're listening to this, you're probably a maverick like me. How convenient because I literally made the show just for you. I'm a business scaling strategist that's been in the game for almost a decade now, and I'm weirdly passionate about helping impact-driven entrepreneurs, business owners, brands, and go-getters scale their businesses and their lives. Imagine taking your impact, your income, and your freedom of time to the levels that you can only dream about. Making your mission known to the world and mastering your business strategy so you don't have to keep on trading dollars for hours. I built two two two-comma businesses doing what I love, what I believe in, and a lot of that has to do with teaching you how to do the same. We drill down on strategy, but we know that it takes more than just business tactics to live the life that you envision. So we go deep on health optimization, mindset, leadership, relationships, and just being that scaled up version of you who is primed and ready to step into your purpose and peak performance. Some days I record this bad Larry from my closet to escape my three littles, and some days I'm down at my barn office on our 12-acre farm. So do me a favor, grab your notebook and a pen and your favorite bevy, and let's get to the show. I am all about today's show, you guys, all about it. Do you ever just listen to something and it just speaks directly into your soul and has you thinking or saying out loud to yourself, yep, that, that's me, or oh my god, I need that. I listened back to my interview with Sarah Dean, and it's just like chocked full of those moments for me. Basically, today is all about getting to the root of what might be holding you back from seeing both the levels of success and, more importantly, fulfillment that you're seeking. Sarah is an amazing transformation coach. She is the host of the Shameless Mom Academy podcast, and she's exactly who I would go to if I wanted to break through the chains of shame that so many of us are being held back by. And if I wanted to start confidently stepping into, you know, my purpose and shining my light into the world, both in business and otherwise, Sarah's your girl. There are mistakes that people are making when it comes to to living out their best life, to stepping into their purpose, to growing a thriving business. And we are talking about those things. What are the mistakes you could be making? How can you have those breakthroughs to get to that next level? And there are things that you might not even realize could be the key to your success. And she's breaking that down for us today. So do not miss today's incredibly inspiring light up your soul chat with Sarah Dean. And as always, if this speaks to you, take a screenshot, hashtag I'm scaling up and tag Sarah and I. We want to celebrate you. We want to thank you for sharing the show. It makes it possible for us to get these incredible guests on the show and get this mission and and movement in the hands of more people. So let's get to the show. Sarah, I feel like in prepping for today's show, I could just kind of breathe a sigh of relief that you were going to come on and bring this light to our world. And I feel like we need so desperately, we being entrepreneurs or people that are passionate about growth or, or scaling up in any category of their life, to let go of this shame that holds us back and to feel supported and brave enough as we more boldly shine our light in the world in so many different ways. So I'm thrilled to welcome you to Scaling Up. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Awesome. So my listeners know that anytime, I I drive them crazy, anytime I have someone on the show who took an idea, um, an experience, knowledge, a passion, and then figured out how to monetize it, 
those are my people and I'm going to mega highlight it to the point of no end. So can we just uh, stay on that for a second with you? Because you created the Shameless Mom Academy podcast and you, from this platform, you've monetized your brand Mm -hmm. with the heart of service. That's very evident. Um, But also as a, a business owner, I commend that. That's something that people want to do, get excited about the prospect of doing, you know, they brain dump into their notebook about all the ways they're going to do it, but they don't actually do it. But I would love to hear more of your journey of of what led you here, like how that all came to be and maybe what your background was. But yeah, I just, I think it's something that will really inspire the people who, who want to do that. Yes. So the Shameless Mom Academy is not my first rodeo. (laughs) And so it's been a lot of fun, I think, because I've done similar things before. And the more you do big, hard, scary things, the more you're like, oh, I can do more big, hard, scary things. So I started running my own business in 2003, and that was not by choice at that time. Um, So I became a personal trainer and learned really quickly that if you want to make any money as a personal trainer, you need to be a own your own business and, or at at that time be an independent contractor in a facility versus like working for 24 hour fitness. And at that time you could make like $12 an hour versus $60 an hour if you went out on your own. And so I quickly realized when I became a personal trainer that I was going to need to start my own business, even though that was like, not what I had any knowledge and expertise in. And so I was a sociology and psychology major with three years of education as in elementary education. Cause I almost became a teacher. And then I went back to school to become a personal trainer. So like I have no business running businesses and I ended up deciding that I need to start this personal training business. And it went pretty well for the first few years. And then in 2009 or 2008, when the economy crashed, things started to fall apart real quickly. And at that time, um, I was lucky enough to sign up like on a wing and a prayer, sign up for this conference for fitness business owners that just totally opened my eyes to what is possible when you own your own business. And so I ended up flipping my whole business upside down after I went to this event and turning it into something I could completely scale. And so what happened in the next couple of years after that was I went from working for myself as a personal trainer and having clients by the hour to renting a room from someone else where I could have groups and sessions with multiple people and train partners and like all these different things that allowed me to really exponentially grow my income and just totally shift my business model to serve people at different levels when the economy crashed back then. So that business I had for a number of years, I sold that two years ago what it ended up becoming was my own facility. So I ended up owning my own facility and having my own gym. I had five trainers who worked for me. I ran the whole thing remotely from home after my son was born. So in terms of scaling, I kind of worked myself out of the front line of the business, which was great in some ways and also hard in some ways because I didn't get to see my people very often. (laughs) My trainers were serving all them. But in the meantime, I had started my podcast, The Shameless Mom Academy. And to your point earlier, this was a passion project and it was something I wanted to do to serve moms. I was a new mom at the time. Um, I wanted to be having different kinds of conversations. I was pretty burnt out on talking about like belly fat and things like that. I was like, this is feeling kind of soul sucking at this point, 15 years into talking about belly fat. And so I started the podcast just totally as a passion project. And then as I fell more and more in love with it and also was able to serve in ways that really lit me up and I could tell also lit other moms up, I started thinking, okay, like what could I do to build the business around this and ultimately get myself into a position of selling my gym. So I ended up selling my gym 
two years ago and going all in on the podcast. So now I have the podcast and I really took some of the stuff that I did with the gym and, you know, made it more contextually appropriate to what I want to do with the podcast in terms of who I'm serving and, you know, how you can work with people virtually versus in person. But I took a lot of what I was doing at the gym and modeled programs around the podcast and income streams around the podcast in very similar ways. And so now the podcast is four, just turned four years old. So there was a two-year overlap where I had the show and the gym and I have six streams of income around it. And it is definitely, definitely a beautiful meld of passion and service and, you know, growing and scaling something and all these things that feel really, really good. So that's, it's been, I mean, it's a lot of work, but it's also been a ton of joy. I love that story because it's, it's just such a testament to, first of all, who you are in pursuit of that growth and seeing how you can pivot and step into new levels of business and opportunity. But I think so often that people don't want to start for a host of reasons because they're wanting to get it perfect. People talk about having their dream home. People want to like build their dream business from the very Mm -hmm. beginning Mm -hmm. and you, your business evolved from one industry to a completely different world. Like it wasn't even just mm-hmm. this evolution of fitness, your fitness business. It was like you stepped into a whole new category of business, even business model, everything going from owning a space and, and having employees and people under you to moving to an online business model with um, more income streams. Like just this reminder to people who are who haven't started yet or just got started, just keep moving. Like you're going to learn so yes. much as you go. And, and I just want to, you know, highlight something you mentioned, which was that you took a lot of what you learned from your world, your, the fitness world that you were in and where you were able to extract those experiences and that knowledge and probably mm. a lot of the mistakes that maybe you made, learn from them and yeah. apply them to, to this next thing. So I'm really glad you shared that piece of the story because I think people need to hear that and be reminded of that. So it's almost like the permission that they need to just keep moving, to keep going, to keep taking those next leaps and know that it's going to ultimately, if you stay in motion, lead to the, the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Absolutely. I feel like there's this like epidemic happening and I'm not referencing a virus at the moment. I'm I'm (laughs) talking about shame. I'm talking about all the people with the big dreams that will never live them out fully because they are leaning into their fear and allowing their past or their current narratives or circumstances prevent them from ever fully stepping into their purpose. And I'm going to go out on a limb and assume that you've seen a lot of that in your world. And probably it's what attracts people to your show and, and the different categories of your business. Will you talk a little bit about that? Like, what do you, what do you think and what do you see from through your lens of how shame is affecting people in, in their purpose and the entrepreneurial space as a whole? Yeah. So I think for me, I want to backtrack to something that you mentioned. You talked about taking things from my first business and carrying them over into my second business and looking at how I could shift and pivot things or, you know, repurpose things that I had used before and learn from mistakes. And so what I think we don't do, and I'm going to tie this to shame in a second. What I think we don't do is we don't look at tools that we've used and strengths that we've grown and cultivated in the past and look at how we can carry those into current spaces and use those as huge qualifiers for what we're capable of. 
And so I know that for me, I've been able to look at, okay, this is what I did with the gym. This is what didn't work. This is what did work. This is how I saved this business that I almost lost in 2008. And now when I look at the current business I'm building, I have so much more confidence if I can connect it to the things that I've already done. If I can connect it to the times that I almost lost everything and then realize, oh, wait, you've been in hard places before. You always figure it out. You can figure it out. And so I think that we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we've done in the past and how that qualifies us for hard times currently um, and to go do big, hard things and go after big dreams. So when it comes to shame, I think that we often listen to the shame. We listen to the fear. We let fear drive and we don't recognize all the ways that we've qualified ourselves up to this point. We don't recognize all the things that we've done that make us uniquely talented and uniquely qualified to do the things that we want to do and the things that we are passionate about. And so when it comes to shame, I spend a lot of time supporting women around recognizing what feels good. And if something makes you feel shameful or guilty, why do you feel that way? It's typically because of some sort of social construct that we've been told and conditioned to believe more so than something we actually need to feel bad about. And so when we look at who's, you know, who's driving the car is shame driving is fear driving or do we let our strengths drive? And do we let the thing, you know, the best parts of ourselves shine? Do we lead with the best parts of ourselves? I think that having fear come with us on any journey is normal, natural, healthy. I mean, fear protects us in many ways, but also fear doesn't get to drive. And I've been talking a lot about this in the age of COVID, like fear does not get to drive. You get up and you keep going. And I would say the same thing about shame is that fear keeps us small. Shame keeps us small. And sometimes we get in the habit of holding on to these things that make us feel little, small, you know, um, defeatable. And we prioritize those and we listen to those so much more loudly than other aspects of our lives that would, that give us strength and power. And I've had women go through this exercise with me where I've had them do big brain dumps of all the times they've been courageous in their life or big brain dumps around every professional um, success they've ever, ever had. And when you look at all the things that you've done and then you look at, oh, wait, like these three things that I want to do this year, like I'm overqualified for these three things, but I've been sitting with shame or guilt or fear or whatever, and letting that be in charge of my actions or my inaction. Um, and so I think we have to really take a critical look at all the ways that we're already qualified, all the strengths that we already have and the ways that we are uniquely qualified. Because I think we also spend a lot of time thinking, well, but Oprah already did it. Rachel Hollis already did it. Amy Porterfield already did it. Jenna Kutcher already did it. Like all these people already did these things. And so then we immediately feel shame around like, but I only have 365 Instagram followers. What can I really do? And when we're focusing on that, we're not focusing on, on the fact that like 365 people want to know what you have to say. Like you can make a lot of money off of 365 people and you can change their lives in dramatic ways. And so I think that we have to just constantly, it's like constant mental gymnastics to choose what we want to focus on and what we're going to let be, you know, what emotions and states of mind we get, we're going to let be in charge. I 100% agree with that. I call that just like collecting evidence. Like when we're going through this. I would call it data collection. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's so easy to focus on the ways that we fall short or the ways that we might fail Mm -hmm. or how, you know, we're about to do something that's really scary or overwhelming. But I mean, your show is Shameless Moms. Like that means that every one of your listeners likely has birthed a baby or raised Mm -hmm. a baby up in some capacity. Like, are you crediting that? Have you um, focused on the fact that you've like survived the sleepless nights and and the postpartum depression and all the different things and how you've showed up for your family? Like 
give me a break. That's some of the, like one of the most incredible ways you can collect that evidence of how strong you are and the fortitude you have. But you, you mentioned something that I would love to hear you flesh out a little bit more because I think it speaks directly to the entrepreneur's soul, which is this idea of I'm not just capable. I'm not just collecting evidence, but how am I unique in all of this? Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the hardest things to identify in such a noisy world where everybody's doing everything. You're never going to create something brand new. You have the big names that you mentioned and many more that are just like taking up space in the scene and that are thriving and have this light shining on them. And it just feels like, gosh, this feels like such a beast of a goal to come out on the scene when there are all these people that are doing it so well and so successful and making all this money and have all these eyes on them. What makes me unique? Do you have any, I don't know, words of wisdom in that category for for our listeners? Because I feel like it'll really... Uh, speak to them? Yes. Oh my gosh. I have a lot to say about this. Uh, I love the question too. So I think that you have to take the thing that you feel most shameful about, the thing that you feel most uncomfortable with, the thing that you are most worried about being called out on in public and share that. Like that's the thing that you build your business around. And so for me, it was building a show that began with all the years we went through infertility. Like that didn't feel super fun to talk about. (laughs) And then I like in live time went through IVF on the show in that first year of the show. Um, I mean, like I wasn't recording from the doctor's office, but, (laughs) but I practically was. Um, and then another thing I did probably a year into the show, maybe a little bit longer, I started talking really openly about anxiety and how I've had anxiety since I was eight years old. I didn't know this until I was like 38 years old. I had never been able to like identify what it really was. I just thought I was kind of like neurotic in certain ways. And so talking about those things immediately, first of all, allowed me to connect in really strong ways with other women and get a lot of show up in places where a lot of women felt like they weren't safe. They didn't feel comfortable showing up and shining with their stories around the same things. And it also allowed me to totally stand out and be different than all the other mom podcasts and all the people who were doing similar things. And so, and you know, I, I knew going into the show that I wanted to talk about infertility and the anxiety thing came up later and it was kind of just a casual mention at first. And then as I started noticing that anytime I kind of casually mentioned it in a bit of, you know, in a, as a small bite in a bigger piece of content, that that's what people clung to. So I started talking about it more openly and I was just blown away by how many people want to talk, how many women and moms want to talk about anxiety. Like as it turns out, a lot of them do. And so I think when you look at the things that you are uniquely qualified to speak of, like there's a million mom podcasts, but there's not a million mom podcasts that are talking about infertility and anxiety. Or, and like one of the newer things I'm talking about is parental rejection. I don't have a relationship with my father. That's his choice. And so talking about that, like talking about all these things where you're like, oh gosh, what will people say? And what if some people don't like it? And that's actually, you end up repelling the right people and attracting the right people. And that's been such a gift. And I keep going back to how can I take the things that make me really uncomfortable and use those as points to connect. And Amy Porterfield has done a great job with this, talking about body image in the last year and a half. And it's like blown up her business. I know. Nothing has made her more money than talking about her weight, even though her business is not about that at all. Yeah. And you see that with a lot of the the big names, like um, Jenna Kutcher talking about her infertility journey and and body image stuff. I mean, 
that's not what their courses are on and not what their products right. are about, but it is giving them that unique platform. So I think that the answer is really in that vulnerability and being having that yes. courage to, yes. to be vulnerable. And it's hard, especially like from a public platform. It's just, it's, mm-hmm. we live in a, a new world. Like this is not something our grandmothers understand. Like this is not, you know, it feels right. strange to step outside of your comfort zone and to feel like you're airing dirty laundry when in reality you're giving people a, a sticking point, some a safe place to totally. land where they say like, oh my gosh, you get me, like you understand yeah. me and you're willing to be vulnerable enough to share that so that I can build that trust with you and that connection with you, which ultimately, which is a whole other conversation is what leads to that connection and those conversions overall in business. Mm-hmm. But it's not for the sake of conversion, it's for the sake of connection. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that's so important with this is that people really want stories and Mm -hmm. they want story. I mean, like they want tips and tactics, but they really want stories and people, that's why like real housewives is as successful as it is, or any reality show for that matters. People want stories. So when people approach me to come on my show and I get a lot of people who are like, Oh, I'm a a life coach that talks about self-care. And I'm like, yeah, well, so does the whole rest of the world right now. (laughs) I'm like, what's your story? (laughs) And so, you know, I've had people say like, well, you know, I was homeless when I got pregnant the first time. And I'm like, excuse me, what? Like, that's what we're talking about. We're not talking about self-care tips for moms. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, I think that people really want stories and we get really caught up when we're looking at building a business, we get so caught up in like this formulaic component around our service offerings and people don't want your service offerings if they don't know your story. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If they don't connect with you and trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of that, now that we're kind of in that entrepreneurial space talking about that, I feel like ambitious people entrepreneurial minded people, they, there are a lot of patterns, right? You see a lot of the same things. What are some of the patterns that you've seen to ring true in ambitious types, like that, that are holding them back from their next levels in business? Mm. They might think it might be a business tactic or a marketing strategy, but in reality, you're like, oh no, 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 it's this. For women, I think it's perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I think perfectionism holds us, holds us back for sure. And it stops us from hitting go on things. Um, and for a lot of us, this shows up as procrastination. There's a great book. Are you familiar with John Acuff? Yeah. So he wrote a book called finish Mm -hmm. and he talks about, um, noble obstacles and procrastination and, but he relates it all back to perfectionism. And I think that while his, it's so interesting because he's a male and many of the examples in his book were from males, but the whole time I was reading it, I was like, Oh my God, this is like every woman I've ever met. And I think that we hold ourselves back because we, I think ambitious women tend to be more type A. We tend to be more perfectionistic. We tend to be control freaks. So either we're being perfectionistic and things get delayed because we want to make them better or perfect, A plus 100%, or things get delayed because we are so controlling that we become our own bottleneck. And I will fully admit to both of these things. And so the way that this shows up for me is like, I have a team, but if I have to approve every single thing, half the time, like, it's not even, it doesn't even serve a purpose for me to have a team if I have to put my hands on every single thing. And so I have to conscientiously be like, I need you two to talk about that, come up with a solution and just do it. Because if I, otherwise I'm the bottleneck, I'm the person that has to, you know, get 18,000 emails a day, approving every single little thing. And then things don't actually move forward. And, so, and that's been really hard for me. 
Um, it was easier, I would say in my gym because, you know, kind of background nuts and bolts details is in my gym business. All my people did the same. All the people who work for me were trainers and they, except for one very part-time assistant, they all did the same thing. So I could be like, here's the protocol. Here's what you all do go. Right. And in this business, everyone has a different role. And so it feels like it's a lot more to manage and a lot more for me to be control freaky about. Yeah, absolutely so. agree with that. What would you say, like, are there any secrets that you, okay, I use this word almost kind of tongue in cheek, secrets. Everybody wants the secrets to everything. Right. There are no real secrets. It's just like, you know, unearthing the issues we have from our past, hard work, like the secrets are kind of the big things that you have to do. But for lack of other terms, what are the secrets that you've seen in people being able to have these breakthroughs and go to their next levels? Is it a self-awareness of these things like perfectionism? Is it a persistence in pursuing greatness? Is it like, what is it that when people start to apply X, Y, Z, they start to get this, have this breakthrough to be able to let go of their shame or step into vulnerability or to see new levels or whatever it might be? I would say probably persistence and being consistent. So persistent and consistent. Um, I didn't plan to make those rhyme, but they do sound nice. I was like writing this down. I'm like, oh, I need to do an episode called persistent and consistent. I love it. Because I like words that go well together. Um, so I would say persistence for sure, because you will find every day you will find 18 reasons to quit and maybe only one or two to go on. Like that's, I just feel like for the average person, and I don't know if it's a female versus male thing or not, but for the average person who I've encountered, we see a lot of reasons to quit more so than we see reasons to keep going. So you have Definitely. to really fight those urges. Um, and especially, you know, we're recording this during COVID, like there's a lot of reasons to quit right now. So continuing to show up and be like, I'm going to be here no matter what. And people see that persistence for sure. I now, you know, I've been doing my show for four years. We were getting ready to release the 430th episode. I've never missed a Monday or Wednesday in four years. And I didn't really talk about that for a long time. I think it was probably two years in before I ever brought up, like, I've never missed an episode. And when I mentioned it, people were like, yeah, well, like, we can't believe that you've never missed an episode. I was there the day after IVF failed. I was there on Christmas day. We've had stuff go live New Year's day, like whatever, if it's a Monday or Wednesday, we're there. And what that does over time is it keeps me super focused and purpose-driven. It gives me like, it's always something for me to do and remember what my role is. I think as soon as we start getting wiggly around like, well, maybe I'll just skip a week here or there. Or I'll skip this thing or that thing, whatever the model is. It becomes a very slippery slope to pardon ourselves from way too many things. Um, and so that kind of persistence allows us to build trust, credibility, and authority because people are going to buy from people who are showing up when they say they're going to show up and they are going to buy from people who build trust and don't erode it. And that doesn't mean that you can't fail. And, you know, I've thought about like, what if I break this streak that I've, you know, in four years, never broken. I thought, you know, if I was like super sick and missed a Monday, my people would be so kind and compassionate because they would know right. this is highly unusual behavior behavior. I've built enough trust and credibility over the years for that to actually, like, I'd probably build extra trust if I showed up to be like, I'm so sorry, you guys, like they would get it, it would be a big deal for me. But when you don't have that really established track record, you have to keep showing up so that people, that people take you as seriously as you want to be taken and that you can take yourself seriously enough. And I think that when I'm working with my one-on-one -on -one business and leadership clients, 
what I see with them over and over again is that people who are successful recognize that they're going to have to show up 1 million times potentially before they make a dollar and they're ready to do that. And that's what I was ready to do with the show. I was like, I'm going to do this show for a year before I try to monetize it. And I had to love it enough to do that, which I did. I gave myself six months to be like, if you don't like this after six months, you can just like throw it away. But I loved it. But I was like, I'm going to keep doing this. And I was, I will say I was in a you know super privileged position to have one business that was funding the other. So the gym was funding the podcast. And I know that not everyone has that opportunity to go a year without monetizing, but it gave me that time to test out this persistence and, you know, showing up consistently over time to make sure that um, this was something I really wanted to do. So by the time I went to monetize, I built a lot of trust already. Uh, so mm -hmm. I think that that's, I think that's hugely, hugely important that we show up pers with persistence and we let people know that like, I'm not going anywhere. And especially right. in COVID right now, the, the people who are persistent will rise to the top and we will be shining beacons when this all dies down. Um, and that's going to be worth it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it right now, but it's right. going to be worth it. And it comes at a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice worth making. Right. And I, this, yeah. that what you just said reminded me of so many of the people that listen in and write in and connect or people that I work with will ask the question, how do I convince my, for example, my, my husband to support me in this? Like, how do I convince him that this is worth it or whatever? How do I convince my family to believe in me? And it's like, you don't, you right. show up at a level where they can't be anything but convinced. Like what we want right. is the support right out of the starting gate. We want them to understand something that's kind of hard to understand and maybe a little bit unconventional, but mm -hmm. really that you don't get to have that level of support necessarily, although it would be nice and, and people should consider supporting their spouses and whatever it is they're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, like you want to earn that you earn it through the level of work that you put in and that belief that you just said, like the belief in what you're doing with or without mm -hmm. their support, like a, just yes. this level of persistence and consistency based on, I know where I'm going. I can't predict exactly when it's going to make money. I can't say exactly when it's going to be exponential or when I'm going to be a household name or any of that stuff. All I know is that I believe in my mission so deeply that I'm going to show up every single day for it. And at some point you'd be crazy not to support me because you see that this is obviously something that I'm uber committed to and that yes. I'm making an impact with. So I'm, yes. I'm glad you touched on that because I think that's something people struggle with. And um, I think we should, can I add something to that? Yeah, please do. Go ahead. I think that we should, we should expect the people closest to us to not understand and not be supportive. It would just be easier. Right. <laughs> and then if they do, it's a great gift. Yeah, but it's a bonus. It, and, the, and the thing with that is that when you expect the people closest to your, the people closest to you aren't your target audience. And so, so I don't like, it would be weird if then this actually happened. Like our, our gay friends, Paul and Michael were like, Oh, your mom blog. I was like, well, actually it's a podcast. Like I had to explain it to them a million times and they kept calling it a mom, like for years, they kept calling it my mom blog. And I was like, you know, these two gay guys down the street, I mean, I love them, but like, they're not my target audience. And exactly. so does it matter if they can, if they know what I'm doing and if they're like commenting on Facebook? No, not even a little bit. And right. family members too. I had a lot of older family members wanting to give me advice on how to start a podcast. And they didn't even know what one was and making all sorts of weird comparisons and assumptions. And which is, I just, I was like, okay, thanks. Uh -huh, okay, good. But the thing is I, instead of looking for validation through those people closest to me, which is who, where we t want to lean because it's who we're, who we love and adore and who loves and adores us, but instead looking for validation in the people I'm actually serving. 
So when right. I started the show and moms were like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing. And girlfriends of mine were like, who initially were just like doing me a favor by listening. And then they were like, actually, it's kind of good. And I was like, I know I told you, <laughs> like, I'm going to just be there to serve the people who need my services. I'm going to be there to serve the people who are in pain in ways that I can fix. And if family members don't get it, and if my partner doesn't get it, and if you know <laughs> the dudes down the street don't get it, that's okay. That's totally okay because I'm not building it for them. And it would be a huge mistake to try to service all of them and please all of them because that would be at the expense of the smaller subset of people who I want to be able to deeply, deeply serve. Amen. That's so accurate. And it's like, it's, you can't be a prophet in your own land too. You know, sometimes people right. are so close to you that they, you know, when you're standing so close to something, you can't see it. It's like blurry. It's like yeah, right up in your totally. face. That's kind of how it is when you're starting something. They don't see you as the business leader, the podcaster that's serving all these people. They see you as the mom that lives in their house, the wife, the the right. neighbor down the street. Like you're not that person to them yet. So just <clears throat> like you said, you know, they're not the ones that you're looking to serve. And if you can focus on the ones that you need to serve, you can hear what they need, you can create what they need. And that's the key to entrepreneurship as a whole is giving the people that you are aiming at, the ones that you want to deep, most deeply serve what they're asking for. And then that's where monetization comes in and profitability and all those things. So if you're sitting there spinning your wheels, trying to please everybody and speak to everyone and cast a wide net, you're catching nobody, you're relating to nobody, nobody's deeply connecting with you. And therefore you can't find out exactly what your people need because you don't even know who your people are. So I'm so glad you touched on that. Um, this has been just like too good, such incredible wisdom and value and a topic that I feel like has just needs to be discussed more. So I'm so happy that you are doing it and that you are the one that we had on to talk about it because you do it in such a beautiful way and you just speak into the soul of people. I just felt like I could sit and listen to you all day, talk about this. And I want to make sure that our audience can come find you because I know that they can obviously come listen to the podcast, but what are some other ways that they can connect with you so that um, they can get more of this goodness? Yes. So I am at the Shameless Mom Academy on any podcast platform. And we have a free Facebook group for shameless moms and a shameless mom is anyone who's a mom. <laughs> so right. um, you can go to shamelessmom.com slash Facebook to join our free Facebook group. And on social media, we're at Shameless Mom Academy. Awesome. I'll be sure to link to all those in the show notes to make it easier yeah. for you guys to connect. Sarah, I so appreciate you. And I also just really appreciate the work you're doing and I am your ideal audience. So let me be the one to validate the fact that you're doing amazing work and we're all better off because of it and because of what you're doing. So thank, thank you for you. that. And thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I love this conversation. Me too. One of the most broken narratives I hear from entrepreneurs and my students and clients is that they feel like they don't know what their unique gifts are or what their special spin is when it comes to how they're going to stand out in a saturated market. So I created a worksheet that I've used for myself and for those clients to help you know with clarity what sets you apart so you can identify your true superpower as both an individual and as an entrepreneur. So you can snag it by shooting me a text. So send a text to 38470 using the word superpower 38470 and that's all one word superpower you have that secret sauce you just need to nail it down with some confidence and this worksheet is totally free and it's going to help you do that thanks so much for hanging out with me today before you go make sure you take a minute to subscribe to the show so you don't miss out on all of those amazing fromies freebies for my homes, obviously, and content that we're creating just for you. 
And if you like today's episode, can you help us out and help us get this in the hands of more people by taking a screenshot of today's episode and sharing it with your friends, tagging me, passing it around on social media. Guys, we've got to get this mission and this movement out there to more people so that they are living their purpose and living out their dreams and getting paid for it well too. I'm also so thankful for all the amazing feedback we've been getting in the reviews. So if this podcast is helping you grow, take a second and go review us on iTunes and be sure to check out today's show notes for more details and takeaways from the show. Until next week, guys, keep scaling up.